Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet. Well, I'd say having a beverage supermarket and talking about them right before you hit into a weekend with a heat wave, perfect timing. And I'll tell you, you should stock over and stock up right now. And I mean stock up now. And... uh, I don't care if it's imports, domestics, microbrews. They've got the best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and out every day. The pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. And now they have slushies. Six different wonderful flavors of slushies, which are so good when it's 90. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And I'm in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great pre-owned inventory, fabulous sales staff, service department second to none that takes care of the life of your wonderful investment. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Our play-by-play call of the day. Big Ben bails out the suit's favorite player. So Big Ben makes the tackle after the bus, all 3.9 yards of carry. Uh, fumbles. And then Mike Vanderjack says, thanks for the game. Oh, I'm sorry. And that's when the Colts sat back and said, I think we need to hire Adam Vinatieri. All right. So <laughs> with that. <laughs> Indeed. I think I summed it up pretty well. That is probably still the most embarrassing missed field goal ever. At least for me, but... Well, I'm sure there's some people in Florida State <laughs> that have a few. Least, but yeah. in, in, in a few. Um, it wasn't embarrassing, but I'm sure people in Buffalo on Scott Norwood's slide to the right. Carol, yeah. with your premium. Carol, I interviewed Gary your premium once. Yeah, I know, but well, remember when he would miss it? He tried, tried to hit it. Tried to throw it. Yeah. Tried to throw it. <laughs> Whatever. Like, yeah. uh, well, remember Alex Karras, the late Alex Karras. Your premium actually started his career 
with the Detroit Lions. And George Plimpton wrote the book Paper Lion. And in the book, he quotes Karras, quoting Gary Upremian with an accent saying, I think I kick a touchdown. <laughs> so it's that was in the, the book Paper Lion. Uh, how are you? You doing all right? Oh, well, I'm doing well. Thanks for caring. I'm doing good. So just hanging out. and You guys are spiking, huh? Hello? Are we Hello? spiking? Um, oh. We're we're a little bit higher than we were, but I don't, Matt, I wouldn't say that, quote, we're spiking. Cause, I mean, uh, if you John, look at the, John if Kerry you, texted me last night and said the governor knocked the bars out completely and restaurants back to 25%. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did, he did that. But in other words, we've been between well, what? Deal. We've been between what six hundred and a thousand after being between four hundred and seven hundred. Yeah, that's fair. We were over a thousand today. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, we've been between six hundred and a thousand for the past two weeks after being between four hundred and seven hundred for the two weeks before that. How many are in the hospital? Actually, not that many, right, Matt? The hospitalizations are not. It, it, not that bad in this state. Yeah, hospital, hospitals are still good, but that's why the governor put those restrictions in now to try and keep it that way so we don't turn into Florida or Arizona or everybody right. else that's had. Right. Arizona's actually, Arizona's, Arizona's now started to go down again. It's actually now Texas and, and, and primarily Florida that were the big, the big ones. But hospitalizations are fine. The reason he did it, he's trying to be preventative about it. Because the hospital system in the state and the ICU system in the state is not strained. In Connecticut, we have 63 people in the hospital, and we're testing at a half a percent. So for every 100 people who test, a half a person has it. And he's still got the bars closed and the restaurants at 50%. In a restaurant, I mean, I don't know what these governors are doing. I really don't. A, a restaurant needs to be at 80% to be making any money at all. So when they move them to 50%, now they're only losing 30%. And they were closed for months. And their restaurants are closing daily in this state and closing for good. And the same thing's going to happen in Pennsylvania because they can't, their overhead doesn't change. They still have to pay their rent. They still have to pay their utilities and pay their people. So every time anything happens, they they go after the restaurants. And you're not going to have any left at this point. This thing's crazy. I mean, Connecticut, 63 people in the hospital for the whole state. And he refuses to open the bars. He refuses to let the restaurants go past 50%, and he's not giving them a date. It's ongoing until he, King Ned, Ned Lamont. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what to believe and what not to believe. And uh, You don't know if it's politically motivated. I don't know. Nobody knows. I think we're all, all of us are trying to do the best we 
See, I'm yeah, around people. Yeah, well, it gets where, crazy, though. I mean, it's, uh, when you're watching, like, and I do lots of work for restaurants, and I know a lot of them, they're dying. Yeah. And you're looking at them, and yeah. you want to cry when you talk to them. They're like, there's nothing we can do. I'm losing my business. And, and you're like, I don't even know anyone who has the virus. I don't, you know. No, I, actually, I, I, actually, I don't either. Yeah, I, know, I, I mean, I know the good news, like the good news here, for example, so let's take a slice of good news, is yep. that Wednesday they released the numbers for the athletes on campus. And for the second straight reporting period, which is really great, you know, and knock on wood that it stays on this continued path, they have none. So they've continued to work out. I... I... I hope they play. <laughs> All it takes is one, one right. person oh, to no. get it. And we, and you know, I know that Ohio State paused, but again, Ohio State paused, Kansas State paused, Houston paused, and Maryland paused their workouts because of testing. Okay, now everybody knows that. And I was telling Matt earlier, if it wasn't for this show, I don't think anybody would know that. Ohio State's now back working out. Kansas State's now back working out, and Houston's now back working out, right? Because they retested. When they retested, they came up negative, and they're back working again. You never hear that. No, that's what I'm talking about. I don't know what to believe and what not to believe. We had an instance here in this state, and you may have seen it, where our governor was on CNN, Fox News, all of them, and he said. We have the first COVID nineteen baby infant. Oh yeah, I remember who died. that. Yeah, yeah. Well, this. it was a crib death. The baby did right. not die of COVID nineteen, and he right. never apologized. And he knew it was a crib death before he even went went out and reported it. But he sensationalized it. That baby. For all anyone listening out there, that baby did not die of COVID nineteen. It was a crib death, and it was horrible. And the family just stood by and listened to this. And then they went public and said, "Our baby died of crib death. It was not from COVID nineteen." He never changed it. He never apologized for it. Nothing. And that's why you don't believe anything because they just they want to sensationalize it and turn it into something that it's not. And you, right from the president on down, you don't know what's true and what's not true. Well, I know exactly what's true, okay? And I know that it's true that we need to have a break. Back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WK, okay? Trade in and trade up at Sunbury Motors Kia. Now until the end of the month, Sunbury Motors Kia will give you more. That's right, more than your car is worth. Take advantage of Kia's first ever trade-in assist bonus cash. Get an extra $1,500 on third row 2020 Serenos. There's 22 available with savings up to $7,025. SMC has an extra $1,000 on the versatile 2020 Sportages. There's 27 available with savings up to $4,655. Plus an extra $1,000 on the stylish 2020 Kia Soul. 
Bowls with 17 available and savings up to 44.24. The demand for quality pre-owned vehicles is at an all-time high. So stop in Sunbury Motors Kia for your upgrade today. Trade in, trade up at Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip in Hummel's Wharf. Retail trade and assist applies for model year 2000 or newer Kia or competitive model. Perfect intro music for the King. By the way, John Kime coming up at the bottom of the hour who covers uh, Washington for ESPN. We'll talk about what's going on down there. All right. It is trivia question time. Let's have a little bit of fun. Let's entertain the masses. Or at least hey, at the very least. Skunk. Got I'm not surprised. <laughs> I got a pet skunk. I'm telling you, his name's Peppy. He hangs out right outside the shop here. He's like the tiniest little thing, but he's a tough little sucker. Pepe he doesn't Le squirt yet. So, huh? Pepe Le Pew is his name? Yeah, Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> oh, jeez. He's the cutest little guy. It's unbelievable. He, hey. so anyway, okay. Go ahead. Yeah, he, yeah, he's adorable until... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he can't squirt yet, so it's cool. So that's how little he is. Oh, there you go. Once he figures it out, we're screwed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's get to our questions. Well, then roll. Go ahead. Go for it. Okay, in the nearest 1,000s, how many rides did the legendary Willie Shoemaker take? Uh, I think it's, um, I want to say it's a little bit better than 5,000. Matt? I'll go 2,000. Eh, eh. 40,000. Oh, my. That's a lot of horse rides, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. A lot of jostling around, you know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, okay. Jockeys <laughs> are great athletes. Yeah. Right? You, I mean, you're, you're talking about people who are not big in stature that have to control an animal that is powerful and big in stature. He's amazing. amazing. Yep. So. Okay, up until 2018, who was the only player in NFL history to have rushed for a 99-yard touchdown? Tony Dorsett. Tony Dorsett. That is correct. <laughs> Bonus, who, who did it in 2018? Uh, Derek Henry. That is correct. <laughs> really? Oh, wow. Ah, you beat me. I knew you were going to try and beat me on the answer. Uh, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Steve-O. All right. So, what was the nickname... Of the Shreveport team in the World Football League. Oh, jeez. I mean, that's that's wrong. Shreveport. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Uh, Shreveport? Yeah. Okay, I'll ask ask this word. (laughs) What state is Shreveport? (laughs) Well, if we're going Gators, I'm going to say Florida. It was the Shreveport Steamer. Steamers. Wow. 
Yeah. I think the Redskins should be called the Hogs, the Warthogs. <laughs> you know what? That's not bad. And get Pumbaa no, as their mascot. Uh, the fans would mascot. jump all over it. They'd love it. <laughs> get Pumbaa as their mascot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that they were always nicknamed the Hogs, so why not just yeah. call them the Hogs, you know? And call them the Warthogs. And if you want to do military, there's a Warthog plane. So. Yes, there is. Yep. Yeah. That's good work by you. you yeah, I mean, you're all over this. You've done a lot of research on this. I have to admit, I've yeah. given it very little thought. <laughs> yeah. I'm all over it, baby. Okay. Oh, I'm up again, huh? Okay. Yeah. In 1978, Matt, you weren't even a thought yet. The U.S. Masters was leading... Who was leading Gary Player by seven strokes, only to lose by a single stroke? Wow. Uh, I got to really think that one. Because I remember, because Player came back and won. Who? Uh, I said, I know Player came back and won, correct? I'm not sure. I think oh, no. I think he, he came lost back by a single stroke. Oh no! Player who was leading Gary Player by seven strokes, only to lose by a single stroke. Yeah, Player won. Okay. Who <laughs> so did Player he beat won. by one stroke? Um, bu- 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 I am going to say, e boy. He's really tall. He's really tall. I will say that he beat Hubert Green. How about that? He's tall. Matt? Hubert Green. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) He can chalk that one up to Steve. He oh, wouldn't I have got it if I didn't say it was really tall. <laughs> but you get a ding-ding-dong anyway. So. <laughs> there you go. Uh, All right. Who was yeah. the first rookie since Allen Iverson to have two consecutive games scoring at least 35 points? First rookie since Allen Iverson. I'm going to go with Zion. Okay. Uh, I'll go with John Morant. Incorrect. Trey Young. Trey oh. Young. Uh, that's that actually another one on my radar there. He did so last February. Yeah. Oh, sorry. February 2019. Two Februarys ago. Yeah, yeah, because he was a rookie last year. Yeah. yeah. I should have I'll tell you, that. Young can flat out score. He is, i got to give him credit. I, I wondered if he was had enough in him physically to last 82 games. No, it helps when you have a five-month break. But, I mean, uh, <laughs> but I give him credit because he does. He does. All right. Name the first team in the history of college football to win the national championship, throwing for more yards than actually rushing. All these teams have rushed for more yards than throwing all these years until – this team won the national championship doing it the opposite way. Who was it? Uh, 
State. Okay. I'm going to say UCLA. UCLA UCLA has never won 10 games in a season. You know that? I did not know that. The answer is 1982 Penn State. Penn State? Penn State was the first team to ever win the national championship throwing for more yards than they ran for. Todd Blackledge? Todd Blackledge? Kenny Jackson, Kevin Bow, Mike McCloskey, whose son Kyle's on the basketball team. Wow. Yeah. All right, there you go. Yeah. Kurt, Kurt Warner at running back? Absolutely. Uh, Kurt Warner was great. Yes, he was. I remember he seeing really him was. down in the locker room. He was so tiny. Yeah. And then as he got in the NFL, he hoped out, but... I was like, yeah. wow, he's a small guy, but man, could he play. I used he to love play. when they throw the screen pass to him. It was just yeah. like, oh man, he could have run the screen. Who oh, won baseball's was... first World Series of the 80s? Phillies. Philadelphia Phillies, the same question you, you gave go. us last week. <laughs> that one's for you, Matt. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, first player in NBA history to play in over 1,000 consecutive games is... Oh, I asked this, didn't I? I should... Did you? Oh, you might have. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know the answer. <laughs> Do you have a guess, Steve? Um, I would have given Lenny games. Wilkins. Oh, my God. A.C. Green. Yeah. A.C. Green. A.C. Green, yeah. Uh, see, that's bad. I asked a question, and then I don't remember the answer. That's a story well, that's of my life. Uh, that's not good. No. <laughs> hey, were you able to find a golf cart? Uh, we're working on it. I'm working on it. I really am. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, today's show brought to you by our great friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Q Routes 11 and 15 and Hummel's Wharf. And with that, very pleasing in John Keim from ESPN, the John Keim Report podcast. Always a great listen. John, welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Hey, thanks for having me on. So since this is Washington-based, I will ask you a Washington-based question. What did Dan Snyder know and when did he know it? Well, that that's impossible for me to know because he doesn't talk to us, and so <laughs> I don't know when he knew. Um, he's the owner of the franchise. He sets the tone. So he hired the people who got in trouble. That's, you know, those are all the facts. So when, what he knew beyond that, I don't know. I know that there was the start of an investigation internally, at least with a couple of people late, late last week, which led to some of the firings um, on Sunday, and that, that kind of kicked things off. But I don't know when he knew and what he knew. Well, let me ask you this, because I and, and I have no idea, John, if you know this or not. How often is Dan Snyder actually physically in the office? Uh, does he work away from the office? Does he come in all the time? Is he in once a week, once a month? Do you know um, what that habit I is? I don't know. that. Yeah, he's not. he is not there nearly as much as he used to be. I know that. 
spends a lot of time in his yacht overseas. Um, so, you know, and I think, I believe that's where he still is now. Um, but, so he's not in the office all the time. He is, he was in there a decent amount, you know, in the past. And, um, but, you know, here's the other problem. Like, we haven't been out there this off season except for when Ron Revere was yeah. hired. So right. if he's going to stay away more now, I don't know. It's, you know, everybody's been away from the office. But he is not in there every day though and and I, I think you know during the season it's going to be a lot more in the off season in the off season he's away much more than he's there so when it, it comes to the people that have been let go and I'll, John I'll be honest about it when the when the, the two primary scouts were let go I thought well, that's really unusual but I wasn't thinking anything beyond that and then when the story came out Oh, that the idea that a story was coming out, I thought. I wonder if that's tied to that. Larry Michael retired out of the blue on Wednesday night, and John, I'll be honest with you, I didn't put two and two together on that one. Uh, what were your thoughts when you saw that Larry Michael was one of them and resigned? Well, um, I mean, you knew his name would be connected to it. I didn't know to what degree, but I knew that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, any any of the ones. When, when the scouts were had, were fired, I mean it's odd timing for this time of year. You don't let scouts go at right. this time of the year without a reason. But I so I knew I'd have been told that day that you'll know the reason why in a day or two, and that's you know I assume a couple other people may have heard something along those lines, which is what led to um, a lot of um, social media. Um, anticipation or comments on it, you know, what, what's going to, you know, all this overhyping of, um, of of the situation and the story. But then, and when Larry Michael retired, or quote unquote retired, I mean, right. he knew the name was his name would be connected. There was no doubt. Okay, uh, what's the reaction been like to what's happened? Especially considering, look, Larry's the most public name of all of them, so the fans could relate to him more than the, than the scouts. So, what's the reaction been like around this? Um, it's, well, I think, I mean, obviously there's a great deal of disappointment and disgust. Um, and th- this fan base has had a hard time liking this team yes. for a while. And, and it's, you know, it's one thing like, you know, you can say you love, you know, whatever their name used with, you know, the Washington, but you, do you like them? You know what I mean? Like when, when Joe Gibbs right. and that team was here, not only they love the franchise, they liked them. They liked what they stood for. And I think people are getting, I think people have been worn down by having to defend this franchise or defend liking this franchise or feeling like, you know, um, you know that it's not one that you, you want to have some level of pride when you root for me. People there are Penn State fans. I mean, I grew up, I'm an Ohio State fan. You know, you want to have pride in your, in your teams. And so, you know, that's, that's what I think they want to have. So I think there's a high level of disappointment in what was going on. Um, now, you know all the, the people accused—they're all gone. So, I, you know, I think, I think, but I do think that there is, and certainly there's an element of the fan base that would like this to be a reason why Dan Snyder has to sell the team, and mm-hmm. not going to be on his volition. I know that. I absolutely know that. So, you know, but so I think, you know, so I think that's that's it. I mean, and and there's a level of disappointment as as anybody would be disappointed when you read stuff like that, stuff that's going on in the franchise that you want to root for. Right. Well, exactly, uh, because that brings me to the other part. 
in Washington. The Capitals have won. The Nationals, of course, are the defending champions. And of course, and the Wizards certainly with John Wall and Bradley Beal get a lot of get a lot of pub along the way. Where does where do the Washington former formerly known as the Redskins? Where do they now fall with the fan base? Are they first, second, third, fourth? Because in the seventies, eighties, and nineties, there was no question who was number one by a wide margin. Oh, that was true even just a couple of years ago. So okay. I, I don't know that. You know, I don't know that. I mean, certainly, you know, attendance has gone down, um, and there's interest has gone down, but it's still, you know, here's what I tell people. Last year, the Nationals won the World Series, and Washington was having its worst, one of the worst seasons ever. I mean, it was a disaster, and people were tuned off and all that. That's what it took for a team to, quote-unquote, surpass them. In, in popularity was a team winning the World Series and this team being absolutely horrible. So if it takes that, like to me, the measure of a popularity of a, of a, of a team is how much do people stick with you when you're down? Because yeah. if, the, if the Capitals, once Ovechkin leaves and they're not winning, you're not going to hear anything about them. You know, and the Nats, if the Nats were, if the Nats fault, you know, if they're 70 and 92 one year, it's not even going to be close to what it is with this team. You know, so that to me is when you really see the popularity of it. So yes, it's taken an absolute hit, and they they have to win back a lot of the fan base. And um, whether it's, I mean, and listen, a lot of it's got to be through winning. But again, I think people want to like this franchise again, and and that's what they have to get back to. They have to get back to being something that people feel good rooting for, whether they're good or bad. And I think that's been a while since that's been the case. But so yeah, so hit, it's taken a hit. But I still, you know, I think if you put on a phone poll in the offseason, do you want to talk about Dwayne Haskins or do you want to talk about um, Max Scherzer? It's going to be Dwayne Haskins. Right. Which then brings me to this. In the ability to attempt to like the team, and, of course, winning allows everybody to, to like, what does Ron Rivera mean in terms of the likability of the team? Yeah, that's a good question. I think he's going to mean an awful lot because he's now is the public face of the franchise. So, and I'll give you an example. After that story came out, I got a text. I um, got a text message from Rivera, just his statement, and I put it out there. And it was one that, I mean, I was surprised at like how popular it became. But it was like it had over like three thousand likes, and the number of replies or comments when people would retweet it were like. I'm so glad this man is the face of this franchise, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, other people are like, why is he the one having to make a statement? This isn't his doing or his team. But the overriding um, sentiment was, I'm glad that he's the one in power now. So he is a good public face for them. So I think he'll have a big say in that. Now, the other big say, like if you're winning and he's the face of it, that's even better for them. And, you know, while Dan Snyder can be whoever he is or whatever he is, and people can think Jack Ken Cook was not a very nice guy, and he owned the no, team a I long know, time. Yeah. And fan, right. right, and fans loved him because he. But what he did well was he hired good people, let them do their jobs, and they won. So they were successful and likable. And so I think that yeah. that's what they'd like to get back to as a you know for the fan base, obviously. But so I think Rivera plays a role in that. I'm clearly building that. Now the question then becomes, as a as a football coach on the football side, he has a massive impact. 
but to get yeah. rid of some of the issues that was written about that were written about in that story um, with the post, it's not just about the, the sexual harassment and all that. It's about the overriding negative feeling in that building that has existed for a long time. That's going to take more work. And I think that's going to take somebody who's directly involved in the business side. I think it's going to be harder for him to, to improve that culture on the business side because that's going to be, you know, you need to be the presence there every day. But on the football side, he can do that. And for the fan base, if they win, he absolutely can do that. Yeah, because the way I read this is, what, 15 years worth of problems? Does that sound right? Um, For this story? Yeah. I think, I, I you know, I, he's owned the team for 20, 20 since 1999. Yeah. I just, I, and I think, listen, one of the things that you hear with, I mean, I've talked to the last few days, many people involved in the NFL, many, 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 and my one question to them always was what we're hearing and you know what eventually came out is what um initially i thought would be the story the level of the story okay there was so much other wild stuff being thrown out but when so i only say that because when you're asking people like what goes on and you can ask them about some of the crazy stuff you hear but like you know that you'd read or you know whatever it is but I, my point was, does this go on everywhere? How much of this is unique to here versus what goes on somewhere else? And obviously, in this, it's a testosterone-based league, so you're going to have some of this where, wherever. It's just to what level. And it, it seemed like here it went to a higher level. But, you know, I don't know in the, early, in the late 90s, early 2000s, what was going on if it was that bad. Right. You know, would it shock me? No, it wouldn't, sho- it wouldn't have shocked me. But I don't have, like, you know proof or stories or anything like that, but it would not have shot. It is a different story because it was different issues, but we saw how Adam Silver ended up handling Donald Sterling and the Clippers. He won praise for that, and he also won praise for it from the players. Does this put pressure on Roger Goodell as to how he handles this story at all? Oh, I think there are going to be a lot of groups watching how they handle it. Yeah, absolutely, but um, you know, a part of the difference was it wasn't something, and I'm not trying to minimize what happened, but when people no, no, say I know. forcing the guy out, you know, because I, you know, it's these are always sensitive things when you say it because you don't want to get misconstrued. But like, if you're talking about forcing a guy to sell, does it rise to that level? Because he he hired the people; it's his team, but he wasn't the one accused of doing it now what we don't know is right. if there's an if there's you know they they did hire an attorney to go through all these things now it's not an independent attorney they hired the team hired her and the nfl is going to check out her investigation when this is done and determine what kind of penalties or fines or whatever would they need to be need to impose so i don't you know my guess would be it's not enough to get if they're not enough to do that but it depends on what else they find i mean you know, who knows? You know, if you're like in college football, if the NCAA comes swooping around, yeah, they're going to find something on you know. So I don't, so I don't, I don't know. It's not what I'm expecting. I'll say that. Okay. Um, and I no. certainly know it's not. I just certainly know there's not a worry. It does not seem like there's a worry internally to them about that either. Yeah, no, but it was worth the question because I mean, yeah, you know, it's at some point people are going to oh, ask. Of course, listen, it's the number one. Yeah. 
it's a big question that has to be asked. And 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 um, so yeah, I mean it's it's, it's something that everybody's going to wonder because it also Jerry Richardson had had to happen to him too. Yes, but there was a direct there's a direct accusation uh, of him. So you know, and right. if it's I, and the other the other thing too is like if there's is would there be pressure from other owners to do it? And if it is, then you know there are going to be some other owners who might be a little bit nervous. Yeah, yeah. very thoughtful answers. Uh, which means now I can transition at least to something fun. So for you on the nickname, what's the leader in the clubhouse? Oh, I'll be honest. I haven't even thought about the name in a few days. So <laughs> I don't. You know. I guess the, the 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 most popular one lately is Red Wolves. Um, yeah, that's fi- that's fine. Whatever their name, I'm going to call them. Um, you know, I, I don't. Any of them are going to sound like I. Red Hawks is one that I kind of like. Um, yeah. Just, but Miami of Ohio would have made the, They made that same move 20 years ago, where they went yes. from Redskins to Red Hawks. So I don't know that you want to do it for that reason, but it is a name that I like. Um, I think you get yeah. cool logos and all that, but any of them are going to feel weird for a while. That that yeah. much I know, and um, so I, I think it's just going to take time to get used to something else. Even if you didn't like the other one, it's still going to take time to get used to whatever the new one is. I mean, it's been that one for eighty-seven years, and so it, it just it takes it always feel whatever they call themselves is going to feel weird. Um, See, so yeah, but you know, and again, I think the reason I say with an R. Too, is that it could lend itself to a helmet that, for fans, looks like they used to look in the past. They used to have the script R on their helmet. So if yes, they did. Red Wolves, Red Wolves, Red Hawks. You can get that little script R, and for some fans, it can instead of, you know, you, uh, there are a lot of people who are not happy about losing the name, and so this would give them a chance to feel like at least I'm rooting for the same franchise, um, and you know, and that's. That's one thought, and you can keep. They, they're very big on the HTTR, you know, hail to the Redskins, and so they could keep the R in there, and they could, you know, they could tweak the fight song to, you know, incorporate Red Wolves, Red Hawks, Red whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I think that's where I would. I'm guessing that's where they go. One of those Red Tails is another one that's been talked about. But. Yeah, yeah, Tuskegee Airmen. Yeah, correct. All right. John, absolute pleasure. I, mean, I really appreciate the insight, the thoughtful answers very much. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on, Steve. John Keim, who's the uh, Washington football reporter for ESPN. John does a great job. Great job. Now, these aren't the easiest topics to discuss. You know, that's why you have thoughtful guests on who do a great job of handling all of it, just like John just did. We'll come back, wrap up the week in a moment. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is because it's Brewers Outlet time. The Beverage Supermarket has the area's largest beer selection, imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice cold 12 packs and dozens of 24 ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one stop party shopping and don't forget the pickle bar. So, whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, Sunbury wants to see you and thank you for your years of patronage.
Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Everyone knows how much I enjoy watch lists, but they do keep the story of college football out there and alive uh, during the course of the summer. So we'll at least give you a rundown. Where is Penn State on the 2020 watch list? The latest one today was the Mackey Award watch list, and Pat Fryermuth is on that. The Bolitnikoff watch list, and Pat Fryermuth is on that. The O'Brien quarterback watch list, Sean Clifford's on that. He's one of 30. The Lot Impact Trophy, Micah Parsons is on that. The Doak Walker Award top running back watch list, Journey Brown and Noah Kane. And the Bidnerick watch list for top defensive player, among the 90 players on that list is Micah Parsons. So that's where we are on the watch list. Because I know you, Macatrillo, are consumed. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> all they do is aggravate me. I hate these preseason lists and all this other stuff. I can't stand them. <laughs> uh... Believe it or not, the nicknames even north of the border. The Canadian Football League's Edmonton Eskimos are reportedly changing their name after many have called them out for the name being offensive to Inuit people. As of late, sponsors have gotten involved threatening to cut ties with Edmonton to keep the current name. The team has not responded to reports that the name has changed. No official statement has been made either. Uh, They've had the nickname since 1949. Aaron Paquette, city councilor in Edmonton, said he sat down with the team on Thursday but did not confirm whether the name will be changed. But they have been the Edmonton Eskimos since 1949, and it looks like they're going to change it to the Rogers Center in Edmonton, which is uh, just opened in 2016. It's going to be the western bubble area. See what happened to it? Flooded. Yeah, that's just great. I did see that. Yeah. They say it'll be fine once the games start. I know that's what I always worry about in Edmonton when hockey season's going on. Heavy rain. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> Today's show's been brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury. The beverage supermarket imports the Essex microbrews. Best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drink snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and out every day. The pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills, indeed second to none. And six different flavors of slushies on this hot weekend. Thanks for joining us from the Sunbury Motor Studio.